It's season number three of Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. Guys, I'm so excited to be back. John Lee joined, as always, by Michael Black, Sam Kastner, and Joshua Morgan. Guys, we uh, we survived the winter. We we haven't done a show in a long time, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> but it's great to see you guys. What's new? So much is new. Uh, new DPs, uh, some new outgoings, <laughs> and some some new excitement around DC United. Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited. Season three, it's crazy. We started this on a drunken whim watching EPL, and I can't believe we're, we're here for season three. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, it, but at the same time, a lot is still the same. <laughs> fair point, fair point. We're all, we'll, we'll get into our thoughts on, on how the team's going to play, but uh, I think we'll be getting used to a lot of new faces out there. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and as we look back very briefly on the end of the 2022 season, that most of us are trying to forget that dreadful stretch at the end. Uh, DC United finished the season in eighth place, one point out of a playoff spot. Um, digging deep here, Michael, you said in the 47 points that the team had scored, that would have been good enough for at least seventh every year going back to the expansion to 34 games in 2011 which would have been a playoff spot, which, you know, I don't know. I, I was I was over last season. I'd moved on, and, and that makes it sting just a little bit more. Starting off on a high note. <laughs> yeah. you where we're headed. <laughs> <laughs> no, to- totally right. That is a bummer. Um, I mean, we're not going to get into last season too, too much because there's so much to talk about, but uh, hopefully we beat New York City this year, and then all will be right with the world, I guess. Yeah, it, it was uh... – a bummer down the stretch because East United was in a playoff position almost. We were looking at second place for a while there, and then it kind of just ran out of steam. The Red Bulls went on a crazy run there at the end. Uh, you literally hate to see it. Uh, and then, yeah, to miss it by so, so close of a margin and, and and like Black did the research to find out, we, we would have made it any other year. Uh, that's, that's pretty disappointing, kind of stung a little bit, but I, I feel like or non and the squad and even the fans took away the positives from the year pretty well. Uh, and, and I'm going to let one of you guys talk about that. Yeah, no, very decent first season um, from a first time in MLS coach. Um, I also just want to shout that black did our entire show doc today. <laughs> we all said it. So just to prevent us from saying it before we say literally anything else, this show. Um, thanks to Michael black for, for doing that for us. Uh, but yeah, I think last season um, was, more positive than most recent seasons. I feel like a lot of the fan base really felt that and really got behind the team. Um, as we can see, DC United was 11, five and one at home and three, 10 and four on the road um, for an overall record of four, 15 and five. So, I mean, that was a really, really strong home stretch. Um, and you could feel that. I mean, we only didn't win six games and like the atmosphere in the stadium was electric and, that was something Hernan had said is he really wanted to have like a dominating force at home. And that was really why we were successful last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was you know, looking back at our, our thoughts on last year and I think we all kind of had a uh, little bit of trepidation. Obviously you're changing things up after a long time, but for the most part, I think the year one of uh, Lasada ball lived up to expectations. We didn't necessarily think it was going to be a playoff team. He didn't necessarily you know, guarantee playoffs or anything like that. 
but when it came down to it, so if you dig into the numbers a little bit more, we went four and 12 and two against teams that did make the playoffs uh, in the Eastern conference. That's not really going to be good enough to get you where you need to go. So I think that's, we'll talk more about, you know, goals for the team later, but I think being more competitive with those teams that are, are good in our conference is going to be a major theme for me. Yeah, you know, when I look at these numbers, I think that the thing that sticks out to me is the opportunities here in, in 2022. I mean, 11-5-1 is, is rock solid. It, it's hard to complain with 11 wins at home. I think the the margins there are, let's take those five losses and convert convert some of those into draws, right? And, and you do one of those, you're in the playoffs last year. 3-10-4 um, on the road is is a tough mark. And we know this league's difficult to play on the road notoriously, and, and the travel's tough. We'll talk a little bit about the schedule down the road um, here on the show. But I, I think that would be something I would have circled if I was around Masada this year. Of we've got to sort out these road woes um, because even just a couple more – a couple more wins there on the road and, and you're not, you're not on the playoff buffer anymore. You're talking about being solidly in. Uh, and, and I think that's a big opportunity to me, but yeah, the, the, the record against playoff teams is, is what's, what's eye opening here. And, and it almost, you look at that and it's like, well, yeah, okay, we probably didn't deserve to be there. Uh, and that, that's another thing that, that Hernan's going to want to correct this season. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily up to Hernan, right. That, that, that is indicative of a, of a, talent gap i think uh, and we saw the teams at the top of the east were, were stacked that 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 revs team uh, might have and the nycfc team might have a chance to go deep into ctl this year they are better roster builds as far as our continent is uh and so that that you know not on or non or the style i think this year we're looking for a shift in the roster building and uh, i'm sure you guys are excited to talk about that <laughs> Yeah, I'll just say um, to to build off what John was saying too. Um, I mean, if in ten months we're looking at a five one, or oh, sorry, eleven five one home record, I'm I'm still happy with that. Like I'm I'm still. You're right. Any any point counts, but I think that would still be a win. Um, and I think that three ten four on the road, um, we saw that in Ernan's inexperience in MLS. I mean. You know, we, we tweet out the pregame press conferences. We add the post games to the show and we witnessed it live with him a lot when he would say like, oh, and, you know, tomorrow we have to hop on a 12 hour non-chartered flight and, you know, we're playing on Wednesday. Oh, the team that we're traveling to in California did not play this week. You know, like that was a lot of him really getting used to the league, I feel. Um, and I mean, this going into this season is just very different from last season, but I think that that aspect of playing on the road will be a little bit more in our favor this season. Yeah. And I think what's frustrating Sam with some of those, those road games this year is we, we were competitive in, in a lot of them. I mean, it wasn't always the, you know, what we had sometimes fallen used to and under Ben Olson when teams were hurt, it was like, we're going to go on the road. We're going to bunker. We're going to hope for the best. And sometimes we'd ship several goals doing that late in the season. We did. We got buried 6-0 uh, against New York City FC. But looking earlier in the season, I mean, Joshua, you talked about that Revs team that that is, is quite talented. We almost beat them with a pretty depleted roster in, in Foxborough this year. Uh, that was the 3-2 game. And so there's opportunities on the road for this team. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's a big area to, to try to knock a couple more points off. 
but yeah, let's uh, let's shift into the roster building because you're right. That's where the deficit is for this team. And uh, we'll start with we'll start with the players out. Uh, DC United declined the 2022 options for Emil Assad, John Kempen, who they ultimately did resign, and Felipe Martins, who is with Austin FC now. Chris Seitz retired, uh, as did Frederick Briant, and is and he's now coaching. Um, so let's let's pause there. Anything kind of notable or surprising to you guys out of that list? I think we all saw the Breon thing coming a mile away. We we got to talk to him and a couple of his teammates, and and they were always quick to point out what, whether you know what book he was reading on the flight or the bus to the game, and 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 how he was studying. And he, he talked about you know uh, the desire for knowledge. So I'm really happy to have that experience. You know, he's a guy who played in MLS for a while, played a little bit out of MLS too, uh, and so bringing that to Loudon is going to be great. And I think we should you know have an environment, a climate where, you know, player transitions to coach happens more often. Yeah. I I hope that he is able to foster a positive environment down there. Um, But to answer your question, John, no, none of these are particularly (laughs) surprising. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if we kept some of them, but it's just kind of par on course for the way MLS is going right now. Yeah. I think the, Biggest uh, surprise is the wrong word, but uh, everyone saw you the departure of Yamil coming uh, a mile away. He was left off the travel team for most of the back half of the season, not even making the flight, uh, which I think is a shame because yeah, he's a player who had some talent, but clearly was not is now playing in Chile. Uh, you know, is, several times that he's had problems with uh different clubs he's been at so uh wish him all the best but not surprised to see him gone yeah and adding to that list ramon avila michael de shields uh all also were parted ways with um and, and but here's where things potentially start to sting my boy joseph mora is off to charlotte via the expansion draft uh as is jordy reyna uh, you already signed as a free agent um, and, and then the, the big daggers came just a couple weeks ago with Paul Ariola traded to Dallas for $2 million in GAM. That's a league record. Um, and then some guy named Kevin Paredes, who I've heard has been on our show a couple times, uh, he's off to Wolfsburg for $7.5 million. It's a big, big move for him. And uh, I know we're super excited for him. We're also super sad he's gone. But, guys, I mean, th- those are some holes. What, what do you make of that? Well, yeah, a lot of these moves felt right. If I'm, if I'm, you know, going to say it frankly, like Joseph Mora didn't fit in the system, wasn't the kind of left back that Ernan needed, uh, but he's a very good MLS talent. He's shown that, uh, I, you know, in previous seasons. I think that one makes sense offloading him, uh, maybe getting, you know, uh, leaving him available for the expansion draft made sense. Jordi Reyna, it felt like uh, a last ditch grasp during the Ben Olsen era. And he had sparks sometimes, but, you know, never really seemed like an Hernan Lasada player. I mean, we saw Skundrick and Perez do more on a lot less. So uh, those ones make sense. Uh, John, I'll give you the platform to talk about the Paul Areola. I know it's a player near and dear to you. Yeah, yeah, that one hurts uh, for sure. I mean, I think Paul, 
he's he's going to be very tough to replace in, in a lot of ways, you know, tactically and, and on the field for sure. But, I mean, he, he was the heart and soul of his team in so many ways. Um, and, and he's a player who's always kind of worn his heart on his, on his sleeve. And so I'm sad to see him go, but I'm with you, Joshua. I think this was another one. It, it did kind of feel like the right time. Um, I, was, I was initially shocked angry i guess when i when i first heard the rumors that it was possible and especially within the league um but it makes sense i mean the transferring a player outside of the league in in that threshold of money ish it, it doesn't make as much sense if you can get it in the league and the funny money business the gam is more valuable you know if, if they were to flip them to club america for 2.5 million i think they'd net less um and so when you're talking in that arena that that makes sense for dc united and and what was harder for me to originally understand, but but I get it, you know, the more the more I read into it, Paul is going to play a traditional attacking midfielder role for Dallas, which he would not have done as much of here in D.C. and in, in, in Masada's system. And and that's what he's going to play, uh, you know, under Greg Berhalter with the U.S. men's national team. And this is a guy who, you know, there's a lot of men's national team fans who, who don't like him, um, but he's he's definitely right on the cusp of, of, a, of a call up should they and hopefully they do qualify for the for the world cup and so i think it's going to put paul in a position to succeed and and to to you know be in the best position to get selected for that world cup roster and so it makes sense i i wish him all the well and and hopefully you know later on in his career maybe he comes back and and, and finishes things out here what, what are your guys thoughts yeah, I, I'm in the same boat, John, uh, especially with the U.S. men's national team thing. Nico Estevez was uh, he's a Burhalter guy. Uh, it was underneath Peralta at the men's national team for a little bit. And then, you know, has now taken the FC Dallas job. He's going to be Paul's manager. He's going to put him probably run something similar to what Burhalter runs, probably use Paul similar to how Burhalter will, uh, you know, barring any tactical changes from either of the coaches. So I think it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint for Paul and, and and, you know, the GAM makes a lot of sense for us, especially as we were allegedly cap restrained. We, we were heavy on the budget, uh, heavy on the books. Um, but, yes, as you said, I, I think Paul meant a lot for this club. You know, he was a player at RFK, and we experienced life with him. We, we were there for, you know, family tragedies for him and, and you know, opening up the new stadium a lot. Uh, so he's, he's woven himself into the fabric of D.C. United these past few years, and uh, it's going to be tough to replace him. Yeah, I, I, the emotional side of me completely agrees with you all. Like he felt DC through and through, and um, he was a player I think that everyone really enjoyed watching. He was our first national team regular since Ben Olsen, so you know he meant a lot to this club. Um, the MLS side of me is a little bit happy about this um, because we were paying a lot for Paul and he, I don't think that he was providing in DC what we needed. I think for Dallas, as you all have mentioned, he'll be that player and he'll be able to really excel and make a different impact than he was in DC. But I mean, he was a, he was a DP and other teams in this league win MLS cups because of their DPs. And Paul, I think for any team is just not that type of player. He's not the player to take an entire team on his shoulders and score all the goals or have all the assists or just generally really rally the team and have a winning franchise on his back. Um, so in that sense, I don't think he was worth the DP money or the DP slot, frankly, that we he was holding for DC United. Um, so in that case, and we'll get into players in in a second um, after my own eulogy. Um, but in in that stance, I think that this 
is a little bit of a promise. You know, when it was first announced, to me, it was a promising prospect for DC United to move Paul on and potentially bring in a different DP who could really be that player for us. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with y'all for, for the large part on this move. It's especially like in the days after it happened, you were frustrated and you're trying to understand why you would uh, trade a guy away who's really been a, a talisman for your team over the last several years. And a guy who, you know, coming back from his you know, year-long injury, talked about how great DC United had been in supporting him and, you know, getting him back out there. Again, we didn't know going into last season what kind of Paul we were going to have back. Uh, and he continued to be a high-level player for us. Uh, I think, Sam, you're right. He's not a guy who's going to single-handedly put a franchise on his back. And, you know, if the team had traded him away and not gotten – and not taken the initiative to try to fill the, the spot with additional players, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, I'd be a lot more frustrated. But it does seem like they understand that that's what's going to be needed to compete. And as far as you know, him on the field, this might be a case of, of selling high. You know, he's you know, kind of peak age for production. He's you know had a chance to go to Europe for a little bit. You know, he's played well for us, but you know, not scoring a whole lot. You know, maybe a shift is what he needs. But you would also you missed a large number of games for us as well. You know, whether it was hamstring injuries, whether it was you know Knox picked up the national team won't be as big an issue this year with the way the schedule works out and, you know, hope he stays healthy and does great for Dallas. Uh, we don't have to play him this year unless it would be an MLS cup. So I'm okay with that, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a sad thing. It's definitely a changing of the eras for DC United. Sam, you want to step up to the, uh, the eulogy stage? No, because I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's like, Everyone knows, right? If you listen to this podcast, you know my love of Kevin Paredes. Um, and because I think of him so highly as a player, I mean, it's hard to be too, too sad about this move because it is really, really exciting for him, right? It's really exciting. So young in his career to be able to move over for such a phenomenal price tag, you know, by MLS standards. And um, as of recording, he has not yet played for Wolfsburg, but they have been on an undefeated streak coming off of a losing streak. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> um, but no, everything aside, you know, it's, I think this is going to be phenomenal for his development as a player. I think he has such a, a hot future ahead of him, a potentially a hot future ahead of him. Um, and this is really the correct next step for him that he's making at a prime time in his career. Um, it is heartbreaking that we didn't know, right. That last season was his last season. And, um, the, I mean, you really actually want to cry over this, watch that video that DC United put out about him getting emotional, saying his goodbyes. And, um, you know, it's been talked about a lot, but him saying, you know, that he got to play along DC United legends, like Bill Hamid and Steven Birnbaum, like that's, what this league is about right like that's the development of this league that this kid is coming in and seeing kind of third fourth generation mls players as uh league legends um so just what he also meant to the club you know being that homegrown and coming through the academy and 
um, means a lot. And I think that everyone is kind of wishing him well at Wolfsburg. You know, I'm in a couple little different group chats and everyone's, you know, talking about when the Wolfsburg game is coming on and letting everyone know, you know, he hasn't been subbed on yet, but I'll let you know if he does. So, you know, we're all waiting for that moment for him to make his appearance um, and just trying to stay positive, right? Hopefully good things ahead and excited to, to see where he goes from this. Yeah, it probably happened a little bit too early. I'm sure they were probably targeting the summer window here or or even, you know, after the next season. But uh, when an offer that good comes uh, for a guy, and especially as the one of the real first DC United players in a while um, to, to get a big transfer like that uh, overseas, I, I think they had to take it. Uh, I think their hand was forced a little bit just by the facts of, of the transfer. And look, that's something for Nyman and Gray, and I'm going to leave Yao off the list uh, intentionally, and the other homegrowns uh, to to look up for. I'm just messing. Yao could definitely be on that. I'm actually high on him for this next year, uh, <laughs> but it's something for them to look at uh, and press for, uh, knowing that the team will do right by them, and knowing if they step up and put in the work that Kevin did, and you know show the skill that they have that that Kevin had, uh, that, that that that's a possibility. Anything is possible for them. Yeah, I'll just quickly add on that, that that's kind of been the chatter around MLS, too, is that this is potentially DC United's window into that global market, depending on how good Kevin Paredes does. I mean, you know, Galaxy had that with McKinney. Philly has had that with a couple different players. So this is the potential for DC United to really market themselves as people who are bringing in those really good homegrown players and able to sell them for, again, by MLS standards, pretty high. Um, He's like one of Kevin's price tag was one of like the top 11 or something like that. Yeah. MLS trades overseas. Um, so yeah, I mean, pretty good. And I'll turn it over to John and black. Cause I could keep talking forever. Yeah. And, and that's really the way the homegrown system is supposed to work. It's the way that, uh, that MLS has set it up. Uh, you're not going to have a player who came up through your Academy and is going to stay with your club for their career. It, it's not what MLS really wants to be, uh, to be perfectly frank. Uh, you know, the fact we've got Bill Hamid, who you know has been with the club forever, and even him had a uh, a stint where he was away. The the way the rules work and being able to recoup so much more of the money for selling a player if he's still on his homegrown deal and being able to, you know, make that investment back into the team immediately, you're incentivized to take the first best offer you can get. And it was a good offer for Kevin. He's a guy who you know has a bright future ahead of him. And I, for one, am very excited to watch him play at Wolfsburg. Uh, but it's it's also bittersweet because you like I think you summed it up perfectly, Sam, uh, not having the chance to actually send him off, uh, knowing that he was on his way out is, uh, is tough. But maybe he'll come back on our show or uh, beat Joshua and Keith or something like that again. <laughs> Well, I fully expect we'll see Kevin back uh, at Audi Field as a fan at some point this summer during uh, or... Wolfsburg's, uh, you know, midseason break as, as he's only got to go half a year and then, then he finally gets uh, another break. <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited for in, you know, 10 to 15 years, him retiring to his hometown club of D.C. United, right, and playing those last years of the season. That's like my long term. We'll get him back for those glory days after his long, illustrious career. He's another guy with with hopefully a, a future with the U.S. men's national team. Maybe not so much for for this upcoming year's uh, World Cup roster, but 
there's some Nations League opportunities this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on, on that roster and, and getting some chances to play at the senior level. But, you know, on the field, we're, we're going to miss Kevin, too. I mean, he, he certainly brought a lot of fight to this team, uh, both attacking when, when he scored the goals in, in front of the home fans, which was which was awesome. And not to rub salt in the wound, Sam, I know you weren't there for the first one, but um, I just remember how excited he was, how much it meant for him. And I, and I hope that everything works out at, at Wolfsburg and, and his, his you know future continues to be bright. DC United, on the other hand, have got to move on, and, and, and they didn't waste a whole lot of time uh, in, in signing Brad Smith. Uh, they, they traded with Seattle Sounders, to set, uh, quickly turning 750K of the gam uh, that they got from Paul Ariola to Seattle for him and, and, and guys, I mean, it's on paper, it's, it's a one for one positional in and out, but um, boy, he's got, it's, it's interesting to say, but he's got some big shoes to fill uh, (laughs) even though Kevin's what, 10 years younger. Yeah. I I listened to a lot of Sounders fans talk about it. Brad Smith was, it was pretty good a a year or two ago for the Sounders, but they've kind of built depth on top of him. Uh, So they were surprised by how much they got for him. I, I think we were in a position where we, you know, again, the Paredes offer kind of caught us off guard and we kind of forced her into it and, and I had to patch it real quick. So I, I don't think it's bad. I think Brad could be a, a pretty good player um, for us. But, yeah, it's interesting that we immediately <laughs> dropped that Paul cash on him. I mean, it's a lot. It's close to half of what we played for Paul. We're playing for this, you know, left back who is decently older and, not the most consistent player coming out of Seattle. So I really hope it pans out, but this was really surprising to me. And yeah, very obviously a, re- a reactionary move from DC. And frankly, you know, it was great that we had Kevin to step into that role during the back half of Ben Olsen's last season uh, when everything else was going awry. But the fact that you had to make that move for Brad Smith, you know, I think they did have to, uh, you were short on depth. You know, you, you, you had lost Joseph Moore in the expansion draft. He didn't really fit your system anyway. Uh, you were in a situation where you didn't have a player to slot in there and you paid a premium for it. Uh, and I would like to see moving forward uh, a team that's built with the understanding that you, know, you need more than one or two pieces at each position uh, and be able to make that happen. Your short on depth could probably be like the title of the show and every show last year yeah and you know when, when you think about it we'll go through kind of the other the other players coming in here because there are more exciting signings than brad smith although i hope uh, i hope brad smith kicks ass here but <laughs> I, I with with the the quality of players we've lost also the quantity of players we've lost and and just knowing last year i mean there were games it felt like we were going to be suiting up fans at one point. I mean, the injury bug got this team so bad. Plus, you know, Lasada's style being so demanding. It's been a while since we heard a, a press conference, so I'll be interested to hear if the, if the squad is in better shape this preseason than they were last preseason. But, um, yeah, I mean, squad depth is, is critical. And, and when I look at this roster, which we'll get to in just a second, um, I, I just fear that if, if one player goes down in the wrong spot, it's it's going to be like a house of cards you know you're moving guys around to plug holes and all of a sudden you're you know now you're you're leaking it where you move that guy from but we'll get there i don't want to get ahead of myself um (laughs) options exercised in 2022 to come back andy nahar who it sounds like the club are still kind of negotiating a a new financial piece of that contract with and hopefully they can get that sorted out um donovan pines adrian perez tony alfaro and drew skundrick as well as joshua's favorite forward kamarni smith all coming back this year 
Look, I have nothing video, against but him. There was a scowl there. <laughs> he, he, he's a tiger, a Clemson tiger. So I don't, I don't. I was just upset with the other options we could have placed in the in the super draft that year. Uh, but I'm super excited. Yes, I hear all those names, and that is our depth. Maybe some of those push through. Uh, Andy's obviously a starter. Uh, Pines can start. Uh, we saw a lot more of Tony than we thought, and Perez than we thought, and uh, basically all of these players <laughs> because we were injured <laughs> all the time. Um, and they did fairly well filling in and, and hopefully that's what they do again this year. I would like to see, you know, again, building on top and instead of plugging in from underneath. Uh, but yeah, I'm not mad at any of these, uh, options exercise. Kamari Smith takes up an international slot. So, uh, so maybe that's my only, you know, peeve with his, uh, addition, but, uh, we invested a, a draft spot in him. So might as well, Kate, take another look. He's British. You know, right? I heard, I heard on black and reds podcast, Phil Buster the other day, that Kamari Smith spent a chunk of time with Loudon last year, and I guess that sort of allowed his international slot to be covered under Loudon, uh, which is sort of how they they made that work. So it'll be interesting to see if, if something similar happens this year. I mean, the dude basically never played for DC United last year, so it, it, to, to have an international slot held up there would have been... Did he ever play? I don't think he did. I think he played for Loudon all the time. Did uh, he, I, th- I, think I think he, he played got, preseason. I'm pretty sure he got some MLS minutes okay. at the beginning of the season. It maybe was a thing where before like the roster freeze they shifted him down permanently gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and then got over because i think if if they are on the roster they do occupy yeah but that's mls roster rule nerdy stuff uh, <laughs> we don't have to get into it speaking of nerdy stuff though uh not to move us along john but this hayden sargas uh signing that from sacramento Republic just keeps catching my eyes all of the stats nerds from usl which there are a lot if you're into usl you're probably into into the stats <laughs> Um, because just they're just deep cuts, but everyone was super high on this guy. He played a lot of minutes for Sacramento Republic. He's a very young player, uh, so kind of a great pickup for DC. I'm excited for that one. Before we go deep on that, I want to play a quick game. Um, the number's not zero. How many appearances do you think Kamari Smith had for DC United last year? One, two, <laughs> just because apparently it was not zero. I was gonna say one, but I, with the question. Maybe three. The always correct Wikipedia would have you believe one start plus two appearances as a substitute for three. Black wins. Black wins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, Joshua, I think uh, I'm excited about several of of the players we brought in. And uh, yeah, I I think think that's, that's a great place to start. Yeah, and, and always an area DC United fans have been like clamoring for depth at has been center back. If, at least the, the last four years, we've been like, oh, they're getting old, uh, which is still true. Uh, Steve Burbaum is, is still on the roster, thankfully. Uh, we're glad to have him, but he is injury prone. Uh, Andy is not, though. We, we were lucky last year. I'll knock on wood that he didn't get injured. But uh, if he continues to play that center back slash right back spot, uh, we might need cover for him. So, yeah, I'm excited for this. Also, I mean, I know it's a little bit down our internal list right here, but I'm really excited about Brendan Heinzeich, um, officially signed to DC United. I was super high on him the beginning of last season. I think it was really detrimental when he went down injured. Joshua just made a face, so I'm sure he'll be coming with a counterpoint. Oh, but no, no. I was just thinking of the fracture to the hip that he suffered. Um, I think can confirm it. that hurts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. That's not a fun one. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that he is going to provide a lot for DC United this season. And I'm really excited for to hopefully see a lot more of him because I thought he played um, 
with a you know a little bit of character <laughs> and that's sometimes hard to do in defense so i'm really excited for can't it. can't forget that galazzo in the what was it the first or second game yeah that was great <laughs> yeah i'm excited for that so other notable players coming in you know we we, we we've got uh via the draft which joshua are we, are we going deep on the super draft or are we we hit and quit uh, i don't think we're allowed in united podcast so we can probably just skip over these <laughs> No, it's good. That means I won't butcher these names. There are some great um, loud United podcasts. <laughs> no generation Adidas on this. Uh, <laughs> no, it was it came close. There was almost a goalkeeper that fell, which would have been perfect because uh, as as we'll get to later in the lineup, so, <laughs> we're, we're we're stretched pretty thin there. Um, but yeah, I, I think both of these guys are, are are loud on players who will maybe get their shot to work back up. Uh, I didn't go too deep into you know. I think we picked like. 13th or 12th or 10th or something like that. Um, so I wasn't researching that deep down the list. Uh, so yeah, probably loud in depth uh, with a chance to come up. Yeah. And the, and the big news signings here for sure though, it, which is where the excitement is and, and hopefully where the payoff is. Michael Estrada uh, on loan from Toluca with an option to buy for 5 million. Uh, that deal is done. I believe he's in camp at this point. And uh, Taxi Fantas coming either in the summertime has been sorted. That's that's for sure. Um, he's a DP level guy, but it sounds like there's some some negotiations going on between the clubs to try to bring him in sooner rather than later. Um, his his current club uh, actually has a, a game in the prestigious uh, Europa Conference League, and so they've got to figure out if they're gonna win that and, and stay alive in, in Europe's most prestigious competition, or if, uh, if they're going to bow out and, and maybe allow him to come here. So what are your guys thoughts on, uh, on the, on the two big money inbound signings? I'm excited. You know, I think I'm glad to see the club understanding that the fans expect uh, those kind of big name players. I don't think anyone would have before a month ago been able to name taxi foot as a player anywhere um but you know, looking at the stats looking at what he's done uh in europe is encouraging and estrada is another guy that you know especially getting him on loan i think i'm more almost more excited about that uh as a very low risk uh way to have a guy come in who might end up being a major piece for you but you get a chance to to you know kick the tires see what he's got uh and at the end of the year if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but you're not locked into a long-term deal there. So hopefully, you know, both of those guys come in and really, you know, take a little by the horns and uh, give us what we need because uh, there are holes to fill for sure. And we've already talked about, you know, losing the, the heart that Paul had and the the spirit that Kevin brought to us. And while these guys aren't like for like replacements, uh, there's definitely team chemistry for them to slot into here. Yeah, and I, talking about that loan deal, I think it's super important. There, there was allegedly, and I'm not sure how how valid this is, but the five million dollar option to buy would would definitely make him a GP player for a long time. But I think the tan or the loan is at a tam something funky like that. Um, but the team did this with uh, TT Rodriguez uh, a few years ago. Uh, they took him in, and saw how he was assessed. Uh, I thought we got a pretty good we got a pretty good look at TT. Uh, we kind of got to know what kind of player he was, and then we knew our price point for it. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get uh, negotiate it down to that price point. Um, but then we can just wash our hands of it. Uh, we're not going to deal. We're not going to overpay for this guy. Uh, and so hopefully the same thing happens here. Uh, Michael Estrada could come in. He could ball out. We can pay $5 million max 
and then we got a, a true DP. But if we don't deem him worthy of that $5 million, we can, again, just wash our hands of the situation and move on. I, I, I'm pretty excited for him. I, I think, you know, his recent struggles at Toluca, uh, we've seen across the league, and I, and I get to mention him. But, you know, we've seen Lucho Acosta leave to go to a, a team uh, similar to, in, in stature in Liga MG, uh at Atlas. Uh, so, and he struggled there. He, he did nothing, actually. Uh, and then he came back, and he had a great season uh, for, for Cincy. He was one of the top 10. So we've seen the players go to Liga MK and struggle and come to MLS and, and do great and perform at a high level. Uh, so he could very much be a DP just down on his luck down, down on, in Liga MK. He scored, like, 19 goals in the previous two seasons. So he can score. I'm sure Lucy Russian has a profile on him to bring him in. Uh, I'm excited for this one. You'll never guess which player he's currently tied with in common ball uh, World Cup qualifiers for goals scored because while he's been down for Toluca, he has very much been up for Ecuador. He's been a key part uh, of, of their World Cup qualification campaign. They're almost definitely a lock to qualify, which is exciting. Uh, he's sitting on six goals. Say that again. Is it Edison Flores? It's not <laughs> Edison Flores. Six, he's yeah. outscoring Edison Flores, yeah. which is uh, good news for us. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, he signed with some young guy called Lionel Messi. So, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully things work out for him. Um, is he the Ecuadorian Messi? We we have now lost the Estonian. <laughs> we can. I don't know. I don't know. We'd be the first to make that comparison. I don't know if it would spread. Uh, yeah, don't, one out. don't start that one. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's been lighting it up uh, in these qualifiers. He's the starting striker for Ecuador. So yeah, this promising guy uh, just struggling in the league right now. Hopefully he comes to us. He's got preseason now under him. Uh, he may or may not be DC United's guest striker on their lineups right now for the LAFC game. <laughs> uh, but, but we'll see how he does in the league. Yeah, agreed. Um, and just to, to talk a little bit about um, Taxi Fontes, I think that... Um, a lot of people are really concerned about when he's going to be coming into this club. I think a lot of people think that summer is too late. Um, and while I agree that that would probably be too late to have like the impact that we would want from him, Wayne Rooney also came in around that time and we were also a game out of playoffs and like the, a decent seat or no, we won, we went made playoffs that year, right? We lost it in the first round. Um, so I think in MLS, it's fine. As long as the rest of your team is firing at a decent pace, um, I think it's fine for him to be coming in in the summer and kind of us be waiting to have for him to have that impact. Obviously, it's not ideal, but it's also not the end of the world if we can pick up a, a vague number of points in the beginning of the season. I think if we're really hitting our stride in the summer and then he can come in and really give us that extra push of something that we need, then um, it could honestly work out better for us. So we have the Ecuadorian Messi. It was going there too. <laughs> and we have the Greek Wayne Rooney. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Everyone, and, and, every single one of my co-hosts made a face as I was talking and I was like, they're about to like roast me, but <laughs> that was amazing that you all had that thought. I'm just hoping Taxi Cab's not on the booze like Wayne Rooney was. Oh, because we, can't, we can't have that. Oh, Recent documentaries yeah. bringing <laughs> absurd <laughs> facts to life like he didn't get arrested. Every DC <laughs> fan's like, yep, then we loved him more for it. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't it tell us? But my overarching point and what I'm most excited to talk to you guys about it is as I look at the players in and the players out, what I'm really worried about, especially with the summer incoming of Taxi, is 
a lot of these feel like for like. Like if we go down, Sargis replacing Brilliant's minutes, Brad Smith trying to put, replace Paredes. Estrada, I think, is going to come in and try to replace the output of Kamara, who is now 32, 33 Who's years old. A potential, we're kind of shopping him. Yeah, right? and, He's we, not and, we, yeah. Out, and but... we might send him away. Yeah, uh, you know, and then yeah, Taxi is obviously a replacement for Paul, I think, or, or in line with that. So I'm kind of worried that we we have brought in a decent amount of quality, but we lost so much as well, and, and it's got me worried. Yeah, I think the the worrying part too is that like I think we had we not lost anyone frankly but especially you know Paul Kevin um Mora Brina even to a certain extent like had we not lost them and we'd brought all these players in I think we'd be all much more excited about this season and by we all I think the fan base in general like we needed depth last season and to Joshua's point it kind of feels like we brought in a lot of like for like replacements and now we're kind of at the same depth point, which is um, a little nerve wracking. Um, Jason Anderson, I think, looked into the numbers and I don't remember exactly um, what he had said. You can go listen to his podcast, but he essentially DC United lost the most man minutes of any team in MLS going back like an absurd number of years. Like it was not just all in our heads. Like the math shows that like the amount of money we lost of people sitting out on injury was astronomical in MLS terms. So you know, that's definitely on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, if if we want to kind of transition in, into the roster and the season coming up, um, the, the one thing I did want to mention, too, um, is that we're getting, um, as I think he's being dubbed, TKD, um, Ted well, Koo. Fan base is split. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's, 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 it is. It's kind of polarizing. Um, I mean, I've heard great things from the people who kind of, watch where he plays like I've, I've only heard that he is like potentially like the next Kevin Paredes level you know that like he could come in and again he plays a different position so not saying that he's that like for like but like that he could come in at that skill level and kind of improve and be that next selling point you know knowing that we also have um, Moses and potentially yeah which we'll talk about like obviously we're hoping that they grow into this season but um, TKD is definitely someone that you know, a lot of people are high on, a lot of people are not thinking he's enough. So we'll definitely see. Oh, the the split is also on the acronyms here because his name is Ted Ku-DePetrio. Oh, okay, okay. So it could be TKD or KDP, depending on your preference there. But yeah, this is a guy I was watching sizzle reels of, of, of two years ago. Um, he, he's I knew about him before I knew about Paredes or Garay or Nyman. Um, so he, he's definitely got skill. He's got talent. DC United chose a different path for him, it seems. He he definitely played uh, only for Loudon last year and, and played a lot of minutes for them. Uh, but I think he could be uh, a essential part of our midfield or one of those attacking wingers. He, he's got the skill. And again, the USL stat nerds are all about KDP or TKD, <laughs> whatever you want. TKDP. <laughs> um, yeah, I, to me... I'm just glad to see we're continuing to see more and more homegrowns come into the picture. I mean, we're, uh, the unfortunate reality is successful homegrowns are going to get transferred out just like Fredays did, which is great for them and, and great for DC United's cash flow situation as well. The concerning part would be if we didn't have them more coming in, um, but we're continuing to see these kids get a chance. Uh, and and that's, that's exciting, you know, and, and as Loudon continue to get a foothold out there and the Academy grows, uh, hopefully we'll see more and more. Um, let's let's transfer it now into the into the roster. 
section here. We've talked talked around it quite a bit. We'll start in the back. Goalkeeper right now, there's only two on the roster. It's Bill Hamid, who we know and love and can probably count on to be hurt for five or six games. Uh, and, and John Kempen was re-signed. And, and that's all they got right now at goalkeeper. And, and I'll admit I'm, I'm concerned and I'm disappointed that there's not more competition in camp. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think on, on paper, um, a lot of people would look at this. I mean, not a lot of people. I have more faith in the DC United fan than this fandom than this. But I think you'd want to look at it and say Bill Hamid were solid, very strong keeper in MLS. And while those things are true, he has kind of been injury prone. He's also getting a lot older. I still think of him as young 20s Bill Hamid, right? But that's not necessarily the case anymore. So I also would like to see more depth in this position than we have right now. A keeper's age, like fine line. I, I think we got <laughs> at least another decade of Bill Hamid. <laughs> Uh, but what I'm worried about is that stretch that we saw last season when Bill was out. And I don't want to say he's injury prone, even though it might be true. Uh, the stretch where Kimpin was in was a roller coaster. And I, I really want to like the guy. He seems like a, a stand-up guy, a good part of the locker room. But his distribution last year and shot saving was just horrid at times. And, and that's why there were riots, <laughs> at least in the Reddit <laughs> comments, when, when DC United announced they resigned him. I, I think he's a good third piece. I, I really do. DC United are in a change of position. We, we lost uh, Zach, our, our goalkeeper coach, and, and brought someone in that Hernan knew, I, I guess. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this develops. I would love to see a, a number two. You know, someone ha- out there has to be floating, wanting minutes. Man, I totally forgot we lost Thornton. That was a good call. That'll be interesting for, you know, that hopeful third piece, a.k.a. second goalkeeper that we do bring in um and also just interesting for Kempen and Bill who've known Thornton for years and years and years now um how he's able to come in I mean maybe he's just able to up John's game um and we see kind of a different side to him yeah I don't think John Kempen's the answer as, as your backup you know this is the, the second third team he's been on you know we brought him in for Columbus last year uh it was just way too prone to having just a howler of a game you know, it's a tough thing to slot in and be a backup keeper and be ready to go, but it, he didn't do what we needed him to do there. Uh, so I would very much like to see another option brought in. There are plenty of good goalkeepers out there that you can you know, make a move for. Apparently we're flush with Gam right now. Uh, <laughs> so I would expect that we'll find a keeper somewhere. Uh, but, you know, on a very well-researched and important statistical point, Bill will be switching from number 24 back to number 28, so I'm very hopeful that that you know turns back the clock on him and <laughs> brings him back to a MLS goalkeeper of the year level that, that we've uh, hoped for. And you know, as we saw with the Revolution last year, having a, a keeper who's playing out of his mind can take you to great places. You know, Mora know was Arsenal's pretty injury prone too, and so maybe Mora and Bill, you know, merging numbers. Look, I don't know. I'm just hoping for the best. But when I hear John Kempen. All I hear is the damn Nashville fans singing his name like we're in a hockey game after he shipped the fifth or sixth or tenth goal uh, in, in that game last year. It's hard for me to get that out of my head. Um, but I, I think he's a serviceable backup. I really do. I know that the Reddit, Reddit crowd is going to come for me. Um, but I, I would have, I really would have liked to have just seen, you know, give me a third keeper in this camp. You know, it'd, it'd be great to, to push Bill. I, it's going to be hard to do. He's, he's probably got the starting job locked down, but definitely push John, you know, and if one of these guys has to go down and allow him to get some minutes sometimes just to stay active, that's a good thing too. Um, you know, then, then you're, then the, the kids at Loudon are, are getting a chance to learn from a, from a veteran keeper, but also 
uh, you know, somebody they've got to compete against as well. But anyways, they're going to sign a third keeper at some point. I don't suspect we'll go into the season with just two on the roster and we'll see what happens. Um, let's move into the, into the defenders. There, there's quite a few here. Uh, I, I've tried to group them at least for the section as, as defense as a whole, but Michael did a great job of breaking them down by center back, left back, right back. So it's center back, Burnbaum, Heinz, like Pines, Alfaro, um, left back, Davis, Green, and Samake, and right back, Nahar and Chris Duyachim. So that's what we're seeing on the roster right now. Guys, what uh, what sticks out to you there? And, and who did I miss? I think we got Sargas. Uh, we might have left off, but he's, it'll be funny. <laughs> I, I just as I make the changes in the notes, uh, I'm excited for him. But yeah, he's a he's a depth. He's he's probably last on that list. That's right, that's the guy Joshua talked for like five minutes about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, also yeah. On I think you were getting your next beer at the time, John. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it looks relatively the same, except for you know Paredes is gone. I I think the Sargas guy will take the very low number of minutes. I felt Brilliant got last year. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's all about staying healthy for this group. We list serious amounts of time for Birnbaum and Heinzeich, um, and that left us to you know the, the the backup guys getting full time minutes, three matches in a week. Uh, and, and so, I, I'm not mad about this. The Brad Davis, like we talked about earlier, was kind of necessary. I'm excited for Green. I think he could get some minutes and maybe show his stuff. Um, and and Samake, he did some time down at Loudon. He he might be ready for this jump. Um, but yeah, that's what, injuries is what I'm concerned about. Just health this year. Yeah. We haven't talked about Donovan and all this show yet. Um, but I, I'm excited. I hope he gets some more minutes this season. Um, assuming Birnbaum, um, and Brendan Heinzeich stay healthy. That might be a little bit difficult for him, but I'd love to see him get some more minutes and really start to come into his own in this league. Cause I think he does have a lot of potential there. You think we're playing the five or or three, depending on your preference? <laughs> you know <laughs> so, my preference. Call, say, oh, <laughs> uh, call back. But but I think we'll see three of these center backs again. I don't think Lasada will change I his system. Well. Right. Um, so there could be some serious minutes in there for Pines, which, yeah, I, I think it's a big year for him, and you you highlighted him. But uh, it, it's time to see whether he's going to continue to progress or, or if he's capped out. I, I don't think he's at a bad level right now. I think he's MLS roster worthy. Uh, completely and, and and now it's just a matter of all right are you part of the maintenance national team picture going forward or, or are you just like a solid mls player you're right i think my <laughs> brain didn't want to see that we just have two backups i'd like to if we <laughs> i was trying to make that make more sense in my head um i i'd like to have go ahead well, yeah, we also have the thing where andy nahar who uh, I was black gonna probably say. properly has listed as a right back can't uh, yeah Lasada does that weird thing that Matt Doyle on MLS soccer loved as a tactical wrinkle Nahar is a right back Lasada played him as a center back so yeah we yeah but then we only have Chris and other right back so like I I'd like to see a couple more people with a little bit more depth like if instead of um oh Smith is listed you're right listen (laughs) Kind no, of get back I, into the nuances of this. It's tactics. hard with DC United because they have some players yeah, that play multiple positions. Like, like I wish that Smith were could also play a center back in a way. Like I wish we had signed a more versatile defender to cover for Kevin, even though he did streak up the field more. Like I think that having somebody like um Gressel, who's also listed as a midfield, like I would just like to see a little bit more fluidity in there, I think. But I mean we can if no one else is anything more defensive, we can go into the midfield. Yeah, I, I'd like to imagine well, 
black that you put Russell as a right mid because they only put him at fifth as all time MLS right backs in extra time rankings uh, because he plays a little bit higher up the field. And that is just disparaging. He is one of the, if not the best right back in the league up there. Yeah. As long as he doesn't have to actually defend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, great. Uh, and again, uh, the folks listening at home uh, can't see the list that we're looking at, but most of these positions are just pulled straight from what transfer market had on there. So there's no real value judgment on our end. But you know, I, I just certainly agree with what y'all were talking about in terms of needing to have depth there. You know, particularly looking a little bit thin at right back if you do have, if you try to go that route. I, what I'd like to see is you know that they continue to train the defenders as a group to be able to you know, slot in and play most of those across the back, you know, even if you're either a central or, you know, tending to be on the right of that center back uh, triplet there, uh, there's some room there, but frankly, you're going to see uh, Russell on the wing. You're going to see Flores on the wing. And that's probably more of what to expect. Uh, I'm sure Davis will get minutes too. Yeah, so, John, if you want to outline the midfield so that way I can wrap my brain around the whole team and not just try to make it fit in my mind. This part is starting to remind me of previous season, previous shows. Yeah, uh, (laughs) we're back. The the only thing I would add, guys, is I'm looking forward to a big year from Donovan Pines or a final year in black and red from Donovan Pines. I think it's it's a big – well, I just – I think it's it's a year he's got to make a statement. Um, And and if he doesn't, I think the team will look to move on and – I think my prediction is he's going to have a good year. Um, but I, I do think that, that that's a name that jumps out to me here as um, it's kind of a prove-it year for me. It, it, I don't know. Do you guys see that differently with, with Donnie, or, or what are your thoughts? No, that's kind of what I was saying. It's kind of time to determine his level. He, he's no longer the homegrown. Well, he, he still is a homegrown player, but you know he, he's not on the up-and-up. It's either time to prove you, you are – you know, potential starting quality, or you're just a solid MLS player. Um, I don't know about moving him. Uh, I think there's, you know, motions and, and stuff like that to it. But yeah, I, I think it's a big year for Pines, and, and it'll be exciting to see where he goes because he has some solid moments and he has some oof moments. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to see him. It looks like we're going to get to see him a lot. So. Yeah. No, I mean, Joshua, I'd agree with you but also agree with John. Like, I don't necessarily think at the end of the season, it's like, okay, if you didn't perform, we're transferring you. Like I could see him not meeting expectations and then him just remaining our backup for the next few years before possibly being picked up in an expansion or something like that. Um, but I mean, you're right. This is kind of the time that we can't keep saying like, okay, I hope to see something good from him. As I just said five minutes ago, right? Like this probably is the time when we really need to start seeing like what kind of a player he's going to be and what kind of a career he's going to have. It does look like, according to transfer market, that this is his final year of contract. Um, we all know MLS; it's like a national security thing. How long people are on a contract, <laughs> not much reports, so that could be wrong. But, uh, but I, I think that's. I, I remember reading that and thinking like that. That's a big gotcha. potential thing for this year. But sorry, go ahead, uh, Michael. No, I, I agree, but I also say you know he is only twenty three, which is starting to get up there. Like you know that. 24 to 27 ranges uh, where you start, you know, having what you have in terms of a a player. Uh, And I do think it's a year that he's going to have to take a step forward if he's going to reach what I expect are his career goals and to be a guy who 
you know, gets on the team sheet and really gets solid minutes there instead of just being a, a bit piece. Uh, but I'm hopeful that he's able to make that move this year. Yeah, well, let's let's move to uh, to the midfielders here. Um, it, it's it's quite a quite a group as as uh, you know, just lumping everybody together. So Moreno, Nyman, and Garay, more defensive side, central. Also, some some of these guys are defensive. Russell Knaus, Drew Skundrick, Nagy, got Gressel. You've got KDP slash BDK. You got Flores. You got Yao. You got Smith, and you got Jeff Wool. And you know the the one thing that that just jumps out to me here, and I and I'll let you guys chew on the whole group. But is Drew Scundrich, is he Hernan Lasada's Ulysses Segura? I just wonder. We saw an awful lot of Drew Scundrich last year, and I think most of us couldn't explain it. Joshua, perhaps the most frustrated of all of us. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of some of the Ulysses Segura minutes under Ben Olsen. So. What are your thoughts on the midfield? Yes. Yeah, the answer to your question, if the definition is player that drives Joshua crazy, uh, but the manager keeps playing anyway, he is definitely filling the secure role. And look, Skundrick is a nice guy. His wife is a way, way great soccer player. Uh, and I think he does have a role on this team, uh, at least on the roster. And, and it's fitting you mentioned he just scored a goal against LAFC and the friendly that DC United is playing. Uh, so maybe he's on. Uh, he's just write him in in pen. As someone who who <laughs> likes soccer, he's frustrating to watch sometimes. That's that's all I'll say. I think he deserves a spot on the roster. Uh, I, I want to get you guys' thoughts on Skundrick and the other midfielders before I go off. I mean, again, I'm emotionally. Sorry, Black. Go ahead. So is he a Jared Jeffrey? Oof. I like Jared Jeffrey. Jared, Jared Jeffrey, Jeffrey was Jeffrey's cool. Better. He like made cars and stuff. Or was that? I'm thinking Corb. Uh, but Jared Jeffrey was fine. Just frustrating the fact that he didn't like fulfill his potential. But that was because Ben didn't play him. It's the opposite here. It's it's the Ulysses <laughs> Segura problem where the manager keeps playing him and he does just enough to continue playing, but it's frustrating the whole time. Man, I just had a flashback to like all the youth players of DC United just got shipped because Ben wouldn't play them. So I'd rather have this situation, honestly. Um, Drew, I think, is not the type of player who is the answer on an MLS Cup winning team. I don't think that he is the skill level or the depth level guy that you have at that caliber in this league. And there is potential to grow, and I'll, I'll give him that. There's potential to grow. I, I think you're completely right. Um, Lasada seems to like him. He started today in that friendly, like I said, and he started a bunch of games down the stretch when we were pretty injured. Um, but yeah, it, I, I love to be proven wrong. And I waited for Segura to do that. Uh, and then he got traded and now he's out of the league. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully Drew follows a different trajectory. I may have ruined our entire midfield segment just by <laughs> raising Joshua's blood pressure, which to me is worth it. But perhaps our listeners wanted, you know, a different, a different take. I try to turn it away to you guys. You kept talking about it. <laughs> well, and the thing that about Skundrich that I do like seeing is, you know, the work rate is there. The man covers more ground than basically anybody else on the field. I just, I'm not convinced when he gets there that the, the product is there. And I think Sammy put a perfect point on it that I, he is not an MLS cup winning central midfielder. He's not an MLS yeah. cup sub winning. He's not the guy who's on the bench and never sees the Oof. field cup winning team. And again, like, I mean, he you love him. 
he what? He can change that. I, hopefully. Yeah, I would love to see that. And I mean, again, like he's that guy at DC, right? That everyone loves because he came up through Loudon and he's married to Andy, who's like a, an actual national player and good decent soccer player but Ooh. i think that like we would all love for him i didn't mean decent right uh, like we'd all time love to, to announce see our him. next guest bruce gunder <laughs> <laughs> we'd all kidding. love to see him Michael and i will be handling that interview <laughs> <laughs> but he also like i think he's the dc united of old which is kind of equal to the mls of old of just like the grit and work ethic are enough to win you soccer games and to like get you pretty far in the league and i just don't think that that's the way that DC United's going, Josh was starting to like move his hands. Maybe yeah. we should start talking about. I'm ready to talk about the other 12 players that John listed. <laughs> Drew, hope you, Drew, hope you have a great year. Absolutely. I, I'm also hoping for a great year from Russell Canals. I, I touted him last year as a, a player that has the potential to be special. I think he had an all right year, but he's, he's shown flashes of just like absolutely dominating a game and stuffing things uh, for the opponent and getting the ball out for our guys. I would like to see him do that with more regularity this next season. Moreno, we're waiting on a contract. Uh, it's always been weird with him and Canals kind of serving the same role in the midfield, but I think Lasada found a way for them to work that sometimes, so it'll be interesting. Uh, and then don't even get me started about Gressel and Flores because I have so much time to talk about them. <laughs> I think it's it's probably worth talking a little bit about Flores. Like, I'll just personally, I'm really, you know, on brand, excited for the kids to do really well. Um, so, you know, Moses Griffin and Ted, I, I hope to see good, and Kamarni even, I hope to see good things from them. But I, I think it is worth talking about Edison right now because he's kind of lighting it up in qualifiers, which is a little bit surprising to, I mean, surprising, but like hopeful to everyone. Speaking of guys who is on a very much prove-it year, uh, yeah, Edison Flores has got to get it sorted out this year. Yeah. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, on him and staying fit and, and finding a way to make it happen, and some of that's probably on Lasada and, and putting him in the positions to succeed and be successful on the pitch. Uh, but it, we, we cannot – we can't even get to June complaining about Edison Flores or, or it's it's – one going to be a long season and two it's going to be in his career black and red it just it has to work this year the stakes are super high for Edison Flores in my mind I agree and I think you know just looking at the way this these numbers break down I think Flores is going to get pushed you know I think I'd like to see Yao be the guy who's doing that pushing um I don't think any of us is going to equate the two as far as what you would expect from them but you know, Yao's got to make a step somehow, especially when he's, you know, seeing guys like Paredes going to, to Europe uh, and, and saying, hey, this is his opportunity to really step into a gap there. And it's up to Flores to make sure that that gap isn't there and that he's performing at a level that you expect for a guy who is one of your most expensive signings ever. And, you know, to go back to that defensive midfielder conversation for a little bit, um, I think you're going to see a lot more minutes out of Moses Nyman, and I think that's a good thing. I think he's got a lot of quality and a lot of people are very high on him. But at the same time, you know, I, I worry about the man holding up for a 34-game season. So he definitely cannot be the only option there. And you've got Canal, so you've got a couple of pieces that you can slide in there. But if, uh, if Nyman plays even 30 games uh, as a starter, that would be – a, a huge step for him in terms of you know developing and being uh, the kind of guy who plays a very physical, tough position. 
Yeah, I, I think with him being able to play those thirty games is the most important. Injuries. He he's got the vision and the skill to play the position. It's just a matter of figuring out how to play in the midfield with his smaller frame. He, he's not a big guy. MLS is a pretty physical league, uh, and he got injured last season. I don't know if that was contact or not, but uh, it, it's what everyone who thinks he's a U.S. men's national team prospect is looking for out of him, uh, whether he's able to learn how to use his body uh, to compete for the balls and win them in the midfield. So, yes, thank you. Nyman is, is probably maybe the most important piece here, uh, how he goes maybe – the you know swings how our midfield goes and yeah I would love to see thirty starts from him. As Moses is still eighteen, um, and, and so I, I while I'm with you there, I, I think it's it's very concerning to me that he's essentially written in pen in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, if, unless they get a contract sorted out for for Junior Moreno to to provide some competition there. Um, it's it's not the fact that he's 18 that scares me. He's 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 going to be a good player. It's it's the fact that he's 18 and is going to be expected to start 30 games, like you just said, and, and that's what worries me. Yeah. Um, and and it's injuries, but it's also confidence. You know, I mean, if he gets smoked a couple times, you know, week after week, and there's no no real better option to bring off the bench. I mean, it, he's young. And so I, while I hope for the best and I expect we're going to have to see a really good season out of Moses Nyman, this is a, an area of the field where I'm, I'm concerned about that. No, I think that's valid. And I center or yeah, defensive midfielder is one of those positions that it's really hard to be that young for the reasons that we've said, namely what Moses is missing is in physicality, right? Like you need to be able to hold your own. You need to be able to really stick in those tackles and sometimes draw the foul um, sometimes draw the yellow card, but, you know, to be able to body yourself in there and win the ball or at least slow down the play, um, it's it's one of the harder places for him to have to be able to slot in with his age and the level that he's trying to do it at. Um, I, I hope that he exceeds expectations, and I think this goes into a little bit of, our, like, our season predictions and what's different this season, namely being, like, Lasada's second season and how – he was able to run his preseason and all that. Um, so we'll we'll get into that if we want to say anything a little bit more about the midfield or want to kind of move into the forwards. All right. Hearing nothing. Yeah, let's press. So forwards, we got Estrada we talked at length about. Ola Kamara is still on the roster. And, and you know, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on him in just a second. But Nigel, uh, Nigel Roberta, uh, Adrian Perez, and, and coming to – uh, an Audi field near you at some point this season is, is taxi found us. And so guys, to me, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that we're talking about moving Ola Kamara. Um, I, I think these, these incomings are very exciting. Um, but this is a guy who, who lost the, the golden boot race. Uh, I on mean, BS. Basically on a technicality. On BS. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he played for a team that didn't make the playoffs. I mean, DC United scored a hell of a lot of goals last year. They were a lot of fun to watch. They didn't make the playoffs. And this dude basically won the gold boot minus yes. actually getting a, a gold boot trophy. And and so moving him is, is pretty surprising to me. It, it I guess what it tells me is that we're probably locked into a, potentially a one-striker one system, at least as the base uh, formation. I could be wrong. That, that's what I'm reading into it. And, and they think that these guys, uh, Estrada and Taxi, are, are, are going to fit the system better. 
Uh, so that, I mean, that's, that's my take. Do you guys see it differently? And, and, uh, do you think he'll get moved? Uh, I'm the biggest Ola Kamara stand, uh, on this <laughs> podcast. And, and I, I think it's right to shop him. Actually. I, I think, I think you're probably right about the one striker. If it's, if it's with the two kind of attacking midfielders underneath, but I could see Lasada pulling out like a uh, two up top with like a Flores being the second one, or, you know, like an in behind kind of guy. Uh, and that's what they think they have in Estrada and maybe Roberta. Um, but I, I don't mind shopping him. I think he's probably at the peak, right? He's 32 years old. He'll turn 33 this year. Uh, as much as much as I want to hype him up for essentially winning the golden boot, uh, he, he scored a lot of those from PKs and not all of them that he earned himself. A lot of them were actually earned by Kevin Paredes, who's no longer on the roster. Uh, so, it's something to take into factor and I hate to hate going against Ola, but I, I can understand the move. And especially if they feel like they've replaced him with, with Estrada or Roberta here. My, my only concern would be like, who are we selling him to? And are they like gaining from that? Like, even if he doesn't fit in our system and I'm by no means advocating for just like letting someone brought on the bench bench for their career. But like, I would hope that we, you know, if we did ship him, like, sent him somewhere out west or like somewhere external to the league and I know we probably wouldn't get as much external to the league but like I just wouldn't want to see that coming and biting us afterwards but then again like I don't know if a team that we were to sell him to would be the same threat level like I don't think he's going to a New England Revolution or like a Philadelphia Union yeah, it looked like for the longest time that SKC, who just had Alan Polito go down for the year, um, might pick him up, but it looks like they signed a different striker. Yeah. So maybe that's what DC United were holding out for, or maybe that was the shopping that was going on. Look, I, I'm all on board if we keep him. I think we could use the depth there. Having Estrada, Kamara, and Roberta sounds like a great lineup for the nine position to me, uh, where you could have some variation as well as you know quality off the bench. Um, but yeah, we'll see if that was actually true or if that was just rumor or them drumming up this price tag. It's interesting to see. Yeah. I think for me, you know, just looking at these guys, I think you're going to have to get Estrada and taxi on the field when they come in, you can't invest the kind of money that you're putting into them and not play them. You know, whether that's playing two up top, like one as an advancement builder or, you know, however they choose to make it happen. I think you're going to have to play them, and that's why it makes sense to do Kamara. I think you could potentially get similar production out of him this year, even if it's not you know competitive for Golden Boot. And, you know, still a 12 to 15 goal season would be astounding. What I worry about is beyond this year. I think that we are probably at the highest that we're going to get on Kamara for the remainder of his career. So, if there's an opportunity to move him after having a standout year and having you know all the accolades that he probably should have been talked about more for last year but didn't for various reasons uh, if you can get a move for him do it uh, even if that's within the league uh, a guy who can score goals and um, make things happen is always going to have a place but that place may not be with dc united and hopefully estrada and taxi are pushing him enough that it's an easy move to let him go and uh, wish him the best and don't forget, there's got to be room on the pitch for Carlos Tevez when he arrives. That's all. That's all. I'll I'm so glad that. that 
basically dead and, and like it came out that like there were no actual formal like it was probably like instagram dms between the two um <laughs> i would have absolutely taken them for a roster presence or you know locker room presence on a minimum contract but tam for a guy who essentially already retired is absurd <laughs> i'm glad you mentioned that though we had yeah, to address it <laughs> if he wants to be a locker room president he can coach <laughs> Yeah, I guess. The only thing I can think of is that perhaps they're bringing him in to sell jerseys. But I, I, look, I don't know because we're we're basically a week out, a little over a week out from, <laughs> from the opening of the season. We haven't seen the new jersey, nor do we know who the sponsor is. Uh, DC United had been rumored to be in talks with any number of places, including some cryptocurrency outlets, joints, whatever we call them. Um, but the deal with Lidos is up, and so we're we're, we're anxiously awaiting a new jersey and and sponsor here as, as we move into the season and and guys the the rumors that i've read from from pablo mauer um i think we're gonna be disappointed in the jersey i just gotta tell you yeah it, it doesn't sound like a, a worldie um but i think if we pull together our couch cushion money we might be able to get our names on the front of it uh, <laughs> <Kinda> true. <laughs> uh, but yeah it doesn't seem too astounding uh but you know, saves money for the Wolfsburg kit we all have to buy now. <laughs> Not all. There we go. <laughs> Black is wearing one right now to his credit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, From what seasons ago. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it, it, the only other money-related thing I wanted to hit on today's show, guys, is just noting that this is the final year of the uh, of the current MLS TV deal, and that's relevant for DC United for two reasons. Um, one leagues have been cashing in left and right in the u.s on, on money whether that's la liga the premier league just got an insane uh contract extension with nbc paramount plus has entered the picture uh, grabbing grabbing up rights left and right and so it, it's a good year for mls to be uh, have, having the rights out for bid and, and we'll see what what happens we'll see if the national tv slots change we'll see if they all go to one place um it, it's gonna be fascinating to me i i, I have some thoughts as to what I'd like to see. But the other thing that's relevant for DC United's coverage and is, and is new is that the league wrapped in all of the local rights into what's available on the market as well. And so what that means for Dave and Devin and Claudia in the 2023 season and, and moving forward, we don't know. Um, you know, there, there's rumors that, you know, whoever, whatever big conglomerate buys the rights could and probably will work with local markets in order to, to, to make those broadcasts available on cable or streaming or whatever. Uh, but this is a big shift. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, not only for DC United's perspective, uh, you know, how we'll see games moving forward, but also for, for the money that that brings in to them and to the league, because, um, you know, MLS teams, expansion teams are not cheap these days. And a lot of that's built on a, a valuation of these teams and these properties that's strong. And, and this is a huge indicator of are those valuations accurate or, uh, or, or maybe not so much. So it's, it's an important year for the league in terms of media rights. Yeah, I agree that the, the TV deal is going to be a big move for the health of the league moving forward. And, and I think we all have thoughts on what we'd like to see and how uh, it's going to play in the local markets. I would caution though, you know, whatever big number they throw out there, it'll be more money in the club's pockets, but I would expect that it would all be divided fairly evenly. You know, that rising tide will lift all ships, but 
you're still playing teams that have the same roster constraints, same uh, dollar values that are limiting it. This isn't the Premier League where you make 150 million just for getting promoted up to uh, play in that league. It's a closed system. It's a uh, system where everyone's together, uh, single entity. So love to see it, but I would not expect to see uh, a massive change in how DC United approaches it, uh, particularly considering what everybody else is going to be doing with that same money. Joshua Sam, any thoughts on media stuff or we want to want to lead into how we're feeling about the season? I think just as a last aside that there could be an influence or, you know, an influx in money spent this year by owners. Uh, we've kind of started to see a little bit of that. It like, like you said, John, it's a big year for the league. So drop cash now so that you get the TV ratings up so that you can, you know, get a higher evaluation, higher TV contract deal. Uh, so yeah. And we're building into a world cup year. So it's a huge year for MLS. Uh, hopefully DC United joins them to that fray. Sounds like they kind of have some feelers out so far. Yeah, I mean, the, ne the next contract is, is almost certainly going to include the, the time frame that involves the 2026 World Cup that's hosted here in Canada and Mexico. And so, yeah, it, it's critical. And, and as, as more of a, a media broadcast nerd, um, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out this year. And, and we'll, of course, talk about it when, when the news breaks. Um, but all that said, how are you guys feeling about going into this season? We've covered a lot of ground in, in what feels like a short amount of time. We've been going for well over an hour now. How are we feeling? The The opener is 11 days away as we record. So, I don't know. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> so I know we've had some conversations off air about it and uh, you know, bounced back and forth on it. In thinking about the way that the season is going to come together, and at the very least, Nashville moves to the West, Charlotte comes into the East. I don't think Charlotte is going to be very good. Uh, I can report live from Charleston this weekend. Uh, they lost to the Battery, um, so not great. Uh, the Battery are a USL team, and then they do all right, but they are far from MLS quality. And yeah. Charlotte, we're beneath them. As per, a so so yes, we 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 get rid of Nashville, who have built a solid roster, and bring in Charlotte, who have not built a roster. As per a Charlotte team, I know I think everyone saw that video making the rounds of um, the Charlotte coach essentially saying that they were not going to do screwed. well. Yeah, they were screwed. <laughs> um, he said that he thought that um, he was just trying to make a a point that the team really didn't give him the roster that he for the style that he wanted to play so essentially now he's like gonna ship a bunch of games to make a point so it bodes well for us for the first game uh but Poor sorry Black, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all of that is to say like you know charlotte may put it together eventually they've got certainly the financial backing behind it if they choose to do it but even just that one move would if everything else stayed the same move us from eighth to seventh and being in the playoffs uh, you know, looking at all the moves, you know, obviously the, the Paul uh, trade hurts, the Kevin trade hurts, but I think the roster got better. It's still speculative because we haven't seen how the guys play together and you know how some of these guys are bringing in transfer into MLS. But I think the ceiling is potentially higher with what we've got. I'm, I'm still high on what. Uh, Coach Lasada can do. So I think for me, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up in maybe that five, six slot uh, 
as a team that makes the playoffs. Again, it's hard to miss the playoffs. More teams tend to make it than don't. Now, that's going to require putting an entire year together. That's not one where you can, you know, we're not a team that can coast through a first half. Like, but if you look at last year, we were not very good for the first couple months. You saw flashes of what the soccer ball could be, but it wasn't getting to where it needed to be until we started thrashing Miami, started, you know, had an opportunity to beat the uh, tar out of Toronto. Uh, So if you can address some of those things and get better, especially against better teams, you know, that's the ceiling. Do I expect them to do that? Eh. <laughs> so well, that uh, was a lot of build-up for her. that was yeah black <laughs> you're going somewhere completely different we, we, we've been watching this team for way too long but so i think the ceiling is probably five or six um i'm gonna go ahead and say that they'll be the seventh team and make the playoffs but if they miss if there's a significant injury or if one of the pieces doesn't work uh there's not enough depth uh there they're not going to be a wooden spoon team like Charlotte, but uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. Seventh, eighth, you know, anywhere in that range. I really liked a lot of the things you touched on there, Black. I think a, a lot of people are apprehensive because we don't have a lot of MLS proven talent. We're bringing in a lot of guys from outside. We haven't really traded within, um, but I think that there are a lot of guys that you're right. You can be excited about. And one point that's really important to me is that, Lasada has his whole preseason and this is his second season in the league and he knows the league. He learned a lot last season. Again, we watched that happening real time. Um, and I'm really, really tired of this narrative of that, you know, he's going to run his team ragged and you know, the, that this season, the team isn't going to be able to cope with it. Like, I think that all the injuries last season, like we didn't see a lot of the team coping with his like his tactics because they just weren't on the field. Like so much of our first team wasn't on the field for the whole season. Also, I'm just tired of that narrative, but if you want to buy into it, like so many of these guys didn't really get a chance to experience that. So I think that throughout his preseason, um, he's probably, and being able to bring in other coaches that he knows. And I think that he's really been able to kind of get these guys where he wants them to be to set up for that successful second season. Like the, the physicality that he will have them at, at the at our first game this season will be a lot higher than where it was last season and I think that that will bode well for us and we'll be able to kind of ride that through and again now that he knows a lot more about the league and about how you know travel takes a toll on players and all the midweek games that we have to play you know he'll be able to manage that a little bit better for the physicality of our team um and we'll hopefully see a lot less of those like physical injuries um and he'll just be able to manage minutes a lot better I, I'm going to jump in because I, I want John to go last, mostly. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with, with a lot of what Sam is saying here with, with Losada having control, a better idea of the league and a better idea of his squad. It sounds like I've been listening to Z's soccer podcast, which is Julian Gressel uh, talking about his preseason. It's, it's hilarious stuff. Our, our friend actually does editing, so check them out. Uh, yeah, but, but they've been doing like SWAT training and like ex, you know intense stuff. It sounds like Hernan's going to have the guys that he has ready for the season, ready to play his style. I have no doubts in that. What I do have doubts in is, is this roster build up, and I kind of disagree with you, Black. I, I think 
as I alluded to before, I think we made a lot of lateral transfers. And, we, and, and the problem I have with that is we don't know if those guys are going to perform. That's, that's the risk you take when you sell Paul Areola and bring someone else in. And, and I would love to be optimistic and say that they're going to outperform everyone that they replaced. But I have a hard time and just, yeah, as you said, for previous DC United fandom and believing that. I also have a hard time looking at this table from last year. Uh, every other team in the East seems to be tooled for a big year. England, New England, Philly, New York City, Atlanta has an actual coach to start the season this year. Or Orlando spent that DK money to build out their squad. They brought in a couple of guys that are good. Uh, Montreal have had Nancy for a year. And Inter-Miami have a GM who is responsible for Seattle Sounders never missing the playoffs. Uh, and... I think we'll be better than Cincinnati. Uh, Chicago brought in Castro Shabilko, who gosh knows we have a, a tr- you know trouble dealing with. So my problem isn't that DC United regressing. I, th- I think just the East is taking a step forward. And, and as I've listened to the previews for all those guys' teams, they, they sound good uh, and they sound certain. Uh, and, and that's what I'm really scared for with this team. If I had to put a number on it, uh, again, I, I don't think it's against Lasada. I think he's going to outperform. I think the team's going to play his style and they're going to play well. I, I just worry about the talent deficiencies in this team, which could very much change. We could bring people in. Uh, but if I had to pick now, I'm going to go 9-10. Uh, I, I think I see the East catching up to us, especially the teams that struggled last year. Shabilko was your big signing for the fire for the in fire. the offseason? Yeah, not I, not Jerry. Uh, we'll see if Shakiri is up to play. We've seen a lot of European DPs come to this league and absolutely, I mean, Pirlo came in and played for NYCFC for a while and was terrible. That's but yeah, uh, Shavilko is proven. Uh, I, I think Shakiri seems like he has the talent to be huge for, for Chicago. So yeah, I, but yeah, there, there's players I forgot about <laughs> or forgot to mention there. Uh, it's going to be tough out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm... In many ways, I'm glad we didn't record this show a, a few weeks ago because I was on one when when things were going down with Paul potentially leaving, and obviously he did, and, and rumors started about uh, Kevin leaving, and he obviously did, and, and there was just nothing in the hopper uh, about what was coming in, and, and and I'm 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 definitely more with you, Joshua, um, than I am Sam and Black on on how I feel going into this season shocking i'm frustrated guys i mean i i i'm feeling better today than i was a couple weeks ago you know i i think i'm optimistic we can we can match where we were last year but that's not good enough uh you know it wasn't good enough last year we didn't make the playoffs and at this point i i I don't think we've gotten much better um i here's what i'll say i'm hopeful that these these new signings that we've made are truly guys that fit Lasada's system. I'm hopeful that Lucy Rushton crunched the numbers, did all, all the analysis behind the scenes and, and, and got with, uh, with Lasada and said, Hey, these are the guys we think are going to play your system better than the guys we had last year. And, and that's why we're bringing them in. And so maybe that means those lateral moves that you referred to Joshua are, are actually upgrades because maybe they're the same caliber player, but maybe they fit the system better. I'm hopeful that that's the case. Um, I'm concerned, though, that I, we heard so much in the rumor mill of the reasons DC United's, you know, not spending a ton of money this year were that the, the salary caps kind of screwed up and and that they, they've got backloaded contracts. How is that a thing? I mean, Dave Casper has been doing this job since before I was alive. 
how <laughs> is the cap in that bad of shape in, in, a, in a league where this is a team that hasn't filled all of its DP slots? I, I mean, to me, it, it, it's hard for me to understand how you can have cap issues and not take full advantage of the mechanisms that the league affords you to have a good roster. Um, so, so that's frustrating me here. Um, and, and with those DP slots, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, I think you can make a good argument that Paul's the kind of guy, especially in, in the form he was in, even just before he got hurt. I mean, good MLS teams probably would have had him on a TAM deal. He was in a DP contract for us. Edison Flores has scored about as many goals as I have for this team. And he's on a DP contract for us. Um, and we're, we're not full on DPs. And so th- those types of things are the things that get me frustrated going into the season because I don't think we're maximizing the DP players we have. And I know we're not using all the slots. Um, so, so that's frustrating. And I, I think it's, it's particularly frustrating because I think the team is kind of out of excuses. You know, for a while we heard – and these things were all true. And these are things that I supported on this show. I, I, I allowed the team to lean into some of these excuses of, you know, RFK was a disaster because it was, it cost the team a ton of money. They then had to build two new stadiums and a training complex. They did those things. Um, then a global pandemic hit, which you know, crushed revenue streams. A lot of that stuff is behind us now. Um, obviously, you know, the pandemic's not completely over, but a lot of the economic impact of it, particularly for sports teams is, um, I mean, this is a team that's going to have a full season, I hope to God, uh, of full capacity this season. And so, you know, 2020, when, when we didn't have gate receipts, we're going to have gate receipts this year. So it's just something's not adding up to me uh, from the ambition side. And I think that coupled with a roster that's arguably as good as last year's roster I'm not feeling great. I, I don't see us making the playoffs this year unless we totally avoid the injury bug. Um, and, and you know, these players all are home runs instead of maybe just one or two and ran. And not to pile on John, because I, you know, I don't want this to spiral out, but you mentioned the mechanisms, the U 22 initiative is a thing. Now, young money, as it's been deemed, hashtag it, young money, where, where you can essentially get huge players on huge contracts for for like 150 on cap hit. So, if the team was worried about it, they had a lot of flexibility this offseason. It seems, yeah, that th- there's just no excuse. They they either just didn't go for it, or or they didn't have the you know the staff and the background to to go you know find those players. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm frustrated with it too. It's because if you go through that article, it sounds like a great roster mechanism to bring in young talent that might be unproven, but it doesn't really hurt your cap. So I don't know. It's a super frustrating looking at the other teams who have jumped for it, and, and DC United has not out there. All right, so I'll call John and also myself out because we didn't actually give like placement predictions where Black and Joshua did. So I'll go first. I think we like sneak into the playoffs on a decision day or the week before. So what is that seventh? It was seventh last season, right? Is it still seventh this season? So like sixth or seventh, but I think the points are, are real tight. Um, that's a little bit stressful for us. John, what do you, John, what do you think? Man. Um, <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm not feeling very good. I I, I think we're somewhere around 11th or 12th, honestly. And and I hope I'm wrong, but but that feels like reasonably where this this side is at right now in my mind. And and you guys did a good job of running through all the improvements that that other teams have made, uh, which I think is I didn't touch on that in my rant, but um, that that that's another big reason why I have us where I have us. Yeah, and I, I hear y'all both on in terms of not taking advantage of the roster mechanisms available. There are plenty of teams that will have a guy who is probably TAM level, but you've got the slot, so you might as well have him as a DP until you have to make a move. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. All of them involve spending money. Uh, it, and that's what you have to do, to, I think, to compete long-term. Uh, we'll talk in other shows about how that works. But at the same time, you had a New England Revolution team last year that spent about the same amount as we did on roster and had the best regular season in the history of the league from a point standpoint. You had a Colorado Rapids team that's routinely at the bottom of the uh, barrel when it comes to spending win the Western Conference uh, straight up. So it is doable. I think you're playing with a much tighter margin if you don't take advantage of all the opportunities there to spend and to bring in talent and to bring in particular depth, but things can come together. Uh, it's going to be up to the players and the coaching staff to make it actually happen. Yeah. And I cannot emphasize enough the actual amount that we lost to injury. Like that was not just all in our heads. Every team has injuries. Yes. But again, it was astronomical the amount of injury that, time that DC United lost last season so I mean a lot of these people we're talking about have kind of been injury prone in the last few years so it's a little bit of a fingers crossed that that changes this year um but again with Losada's preseason hopefully they're they're preparing a little differently uh, but feels like we've we've done all of our kind of previews John do you want to go into our notes on the season a little bit yeah, I'm just I'm I'm surprised that none of you guys wanted to, to throw me under the bus for last year's prediction that Yamil Assad would be uh, our our player of the year because oh boy, <laughs> I hope I'm just as wrong this year <laughs> where we finished as I was about. Yamil, it's shocking because uh, he was in your doghouse. The I feel like since he's come he back, I, I, I thought he was going to thrive in the new system, and I, I don't know. I'm sure mine was Kevin. I don't think anybody can explain that. Yeah, and we're not going to pick players of the year this year just so we don't have another Yamil Asad situation, right? (laughs) You're welcome, everyone, yeah. I think I officially ruined that for us. Um, But, yeah, no, jumping into the season, they opened against Charlotte on February 26th. said February, so I'm sure even though we've had a couple mild days this year, it's probably going to be cold as hell, so – bundle up for that one but i'm looking forward to it um, i have good memories of, of a season opener against atlanta a couple years ago yep. and freezing rain so um, where we won so that was fun at least um but yeah lo- lo- looking at the season i mean it's another year where there's a million teams in this league and so we're playing each conference team home and home but only eight games now against uh western conference opponents so that's that's going to limit the opportunities to see teams like Dallas, uh, to see Paul, but it's probably a good thing because Dallas might be pretty good this year. Um, and, and both the LA teams, I think we only see LAFC this year. Um, but it also helps with travel and, and midweek matches are also uh, down this year, which is good. There's five or hopefully less uh, midweek matches. None are in back-to-back weeks, which is really good. And hopefully Hernan Lasada will have less to, to complain about on that front this year. Um, and the season ends on October 9th, 
to allow MLS Cup to conclude on November 5th, right before the World Cup window in Qatar opens, uh, which, in, in case you don't know, that is happening this fall because um, there are days where the high is around 200 degrees over the summer in Qatar, and they decided that that wasn't going to work for for soccer games. So it's happening that's in, now the, in the, fall. the winter. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, guys, um, looking ahead, the openers against Charlotte. I think that's a winnable game. What are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I think. What I think we'll we'll win enough to be in seventh or eighth. Yeah, I don't. I haven't <laughs> looked at the the schedule a whole lot more. Um, I think we have some you know not a lot of away travel opportunities but potentially that just means we get to actually travel to them right maybe fewer just means we all put our money into it a little bit more um it says here we were at columbus nashville philly orlando and atlanta last year and that was kind of a combination of all of our travel um, which was a lot of fun this year i know that we're all kind of planning on a lot more potentially some more western conference games um definitely those will be in the mix i'm sure because they're very easy to get to um but yeah we loved it we loved kind of seeing y'all um especially at those away days definitely a lot of fun connecting with y'all at away days and you know home games we always love talking to y'all yeah i'm I'm gonna yeah continue to complain that we don't get to play everybody but unfortunately there just really isn't enough time in the season to play each and every team in the 28 team league that's continuing to grow uh you know it's a relic of the mls past but i do like having those eight crossover games this year we've gotten away from the bubble stuff uh the canadian teams getting to actually play in canada as far as I know, is going to be a, a good thing for them and a good thing for the league. Uh, I'm hopeful. You know, it's you know, like I said, there, there's a high, higher season, uh, there's a high, higher ceiling what the team the team can do, and having that extra rest and having a you know schedule that respects the international breaks. Although I don't know how much we're going to have called up for that. Well, I guess Flores maybe, but uh, <laughs> listen, we're. Yeah, start- we're quickly approaching just playing every single team once and the shield means something again. So, right. At least a little bit. But guys, most importantly, the okay. open cup is back and I cannot, can't wait. Can't wait for the open cup. I love the open cup. I'm almost a little bit sad that we don't still play at the Plex, even though it was hellacious <laughs> to try to get there on Wednesday nights. It was just, it was always a blast. It was either we, we barely beat a bad team or we lost to a bad team, but it, it was fun. Uh, the Open Cup's great. I'm so excited the Open Cup's back this year. And and it's weird that some MLS teams, including us, enter in the third round in April. The rest enter in the round of 32 in May. Um, but it's not during international windows and, you know, the finals in September. And so, guys, look. I'm psyched, and hopefully it's geographically sound a little bit again, and maybe we'll get maybe we'll play away in like Richmond or something. That'll just be a blast. I don't know. I'm hopeful. You want to play geographical against NYC? Yeah. No, I specifically said Richmond, not NYC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, John. Having the open come back, hopefully, all indications are that it will move forward. Is great, and I'd love to see you know how Lasada. You know, gets the team geared up for cup games and see how 
that all pans out. We haven't had a chance to have that yet, but maybe this team makes a run. Yes, it would be something fun for the team to do, especially after me and John's predictions of a harsh league play. <laughs> you don't need to be good in the league to be good in the Open Cup, as we've learned. Very, very true. And uh, I guess we'll wrap with potentially the best news we've ever had on the show, the spirit, since we had our last show just – you know, mess around and won the damn league. Uh, NWSL <laughs> champions for the spirit. Uh, they've got a new owner who is oh my god leaps and bounds better than the old guy. It's like a mil, uh, like a millimeter behind winning the NWSL championship <laughs> is the fact that we don't curse in the show, but that jackass is gone and <laughs> Michelle is in and running the league. Like I, I could not say enough about that. And you, Joshua, you and Sam were both there. How how uh, how was the final? It was worth the twenty eight hours of driving that weekend. <laughs> oh, true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was awesome, and, and you know the USL Stadium down there in Louisville was super cool, super nice. So yeah, kind of makes me excited for the Open Cup too there, and, and excited for the the Spirit season. Uh, they'll be at Audi for I think six games this year or eight games this year. Um, you so, could buy tickets because that again jackass is gone. <laughs> so. <laughs> super exciting yeah and so yeah it's a good squad they have probably the best or most exciting player a young player for the u.s women's national team Trini rodman who is now the highest paid player in the league dc united i'm just gonna guess has never had the highest paid player in the league <laughs> so you should go check out the spirit this year yeah we're super excited to see what trinity does um probably won't be in the she believes cup just because i know she's been battling a back injury um, so she was kind of named to the squad after someone had to drop. I don't remember who, uh, but someone, she was kind of on the practice squad. Someone had to drop. She was called in, um, not anticipating a whole lot of minutes again, because of that injury. And, um, just cause Vodka, it sounds like is trying to really manage her introduction into this team. Doesn't want to really overwhelm her because again, she's so young, but so talented. Um, so, I mean, she's worth the price of ticket admission alone. But there, there are so many other, you know, talented stars on this team um, from Bledsoe, whose name isn't Bledsoe anymore. I forget her new married name, but obviously Andy, like you've got some tried and true national team players um, and Emily and well, shush <laughs> and Emily and Kelly. So, yeah, just a super exciting team. I'm obviously so excited about it. They're easily more optimistic to be about than DC United right now. You can tell after all of the, the back and forth we've been going through, I'm psyched nice. for the spirit right now. They're a little bit more proven. <laughs> um, John, you've they been... Haven't lo- Go ahead. Months. They haven't lost in months. Yeah. <laughs> we win home games that are not home, so <laughs> it's a That's fun right. team to watch. Oh, man. I... Sam, were you looking to me to transition into Loudon from that? Because God bless, but I'll try. Um, <laughs> sharing a home with the spirit occasionally, sometimes. Loudon United, uh, honestly, guys, look, I, I try to follow Loudon quite a bit throughout the year. They, they haven't been terribly competitive, um, but they're always pretty fun to watch. I know, um, I, I think all four of us made it out to games at, at different times last year, and I certainly would like to. Again, this year, uh, if not as much for the soccer, for the beer that's nearby, and the, the <laughs> crazy amount of breweries and wineries that are out there. But um, some exciting news that I don't have all the details on, but from what I've heard, you know, Loudon have hired some new front office staff. 
this year and they're really trying to to promote the team out there i've already seen um it looks like you can get a half season package which apparently either hasn't been available or at least wasn't nearly as well advertised uh which is exciting especially if you live out that way and maybe you don't want to commit to you know 17 or however many home games they have but you know maybe just saturdays work good for you good opportunity to go out and see the future of dc united there um, and it also sounds like uh, the Loudon Stampede, which is their official supporters group, is planning to have their biggest season yet back in stadium uh, supporting the, the red and white. So I'm excited to try to make it out there at some point this year. Um, and hopefully you can you have a chance to get out there, too. And hey, maybe they'll mess around and, and make the playoffs this year. Yeah, we'll see. That might be a little bit of a stretch. We'll see. <laughs> Sam has much more faith in, in women's soccer in the DC area than it's just men this you year. You mean the returning is, you know, champs? Yeah, rightfully so. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, for sure. John, you've been talking a lot. So if you want to like take a, take a sip, I can take over like this season preview if you want. Take it away. Um, so, yeah, essentially we're super excited again to be coming in for a third season with Tried and True. Um, this is, I mean, literally – back up this is literally because we know that people continue listening and you know we really appreciate talking all the games and um, getting your interactions on social media and all that that being said it looks like our format is going to be a little bit different this season um, we're still aiming for post game shows but not necessarily always live or always directly post game um, you know, when we came up with this idea, um, we'd been talking to the team and we had a little bit different idea of what the setup was going to be. Um, some priorities changed there, kind of no hard feelings. That's just the way things went. And then a pandemic hit and it was really, really easy. Um, we were all in each other's pods to really, or even Zoom for those games really early on, right? To be able to go immediately post game after each game live. Um, that's getting a little bit more difficult just as as things start to open up, as as travel starts to happen again you know as we have different people coming to games with us um so again our our goal is to go some type of show after games um you know for hopefully all games um they might not always be live um they might not always be that night um hopefully aiming for kind of at least the next day or day after um we've heard you all in some of the feedback that we've gotten that you would prefer for a little bit more notice for when we don't do shows live this is probably um a bad start because this show is not live uh but we have heard you and we do promise to let you know um at least a few days in advance what game what shows we're aiming to do live which shows we're aiming to do recorded um of course you can always tweet at us we love those interactions and we'll definitely mention those online during the game right after the game regardless of what type of show we do um and we also know that you all absolutely love hearing the post-game press conferences so we are still aiming to bring that to you again unsure in kind of what capacity but definitely as we push the podcasts out um definitely aiming to put those post-game press conferences in there did i cover it all <laughs> yep yeah no i think so i mean uh, biggest thing for you guys is is stay in touch you know we we, we love meeting you guys at the stadium at tailgates uh, on the road uh, wherever we can and um, you know Sam you mentioned it tweeting at the show those, those sorts of interactions you know we'll, we'll get to those if, if we don't uh, you know right after a game we'll, we'll hit them when, when we get to the show uh, and the only other thing I would add is if you've got a, a longer form rebuttal to my rant if you want to tell me why I'm wrong and why we're gonna be in, in, in prime form to, to win another MLS Cup this year 
you can always put together your, your longer thoughts by email and email them to us at try to true DCU at gmail.com. Great. Anything last minute from everyone? I know that that covers it for me. We're definitely a, a longer show than normal, but it's been a while. So I've, I've enjoyed getting back into the groove of it and, uh, you know, what'd you say? 11 days until opener as of time of recording. That's really excited. Probably shorter than then by the time we release it. So I'm getting pumped against Charlotte, which we'll probably win. Hopefully knock on wood. So <laughs> even more things to be excited about. Maybe my boy Christian Fuchs will score a goal though. We'll allow it. Ouch. I'll allow it. Ouch. <laughs> In our six, one victory. Sure. As we resign own goal. <laughs> Didn't yeah, even mention him. I'm excited for all the the unknowns that we talked about tonight, uh, and excited to see you guys in the stadium again. And, and like Sam said, we we love seeing you guys in the in the in the stadium or on the road. Uh, MLS is back, but not you know the tournament this year. <laughs> not hashtag, um, but not the hashtag. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm excited for MLS to be back. I'm excited to watch the league and follow our, our favorite players again. We'll see you guys in, in, in just a few short days back at Audi Field, and we'll talk to you again real soon right here on Tried and True, the DC United Post Game Podcast presented by Heineken.